0: Hey, this is Danny G, and welcome to Talk That Danny G. I want to ask you a serious question. Do you remember who you were in sixth grade? Like, for real, for real, do you remember the 12 year old version of you? If so, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? I knew what I wanted to be when I was in sixth grade. I knew that I wanted to be a sex therapist. I also knew that I wanted to be a forensic psychiatrist. My final career choice was to be a writer. Now, what would you say if I told you as a sixth grader that I wanted to go into hospitality? What if I told you as a sixth grader that I wanted to own hotels, what if I told you as a sixth grader that I was going to buy and sell hotels and then teach the community about it and move us to a path of economic empowerment through entrepreneurship? Would you believe me? You probably wouldn't, but if you had met Professor Omari Head, tonight's guest, the hip-hop hotel broker the bow tie Broker, my classmate and my friend, had you met him, his sixth grade self, he would have told you those things. And now here we are all these years later and they are all true. I'm excited to share the interview that I had with my friend Omari as he was in town for business. He was able to stop by the podcast for a little bit and share some of his leadership lessons, share some of his high points, some of his low points. He joins me in the Rose Garden. We're talking about legacy planning, full circle moments. I mean, rap references, all kind of free game and it really was a walk down memory lane. Tune in and take notes because class is about to be in session. Here is Professor Omari Head with his little leadership talk. I'm excited to share it. This is Danny G and I hope you enjoy. Hey this is Danny G and I am in the rose garden tonight with an old friend on this episode of Talk That Danny G. I'm with someone who I go back 20 years with. I remember him from our freshman year of high school, and it's amazing to see how far we've come. Good evening, Omari. Good evening. What should we call you tonight?
1: Uh, You can call me Omari, Mr. Head, Professor Head, um, Bowtie Broker. Bowtie Broker.
0: (laughs) A man has many names. Uh, Welcome to Talk That Danny G and welcome to the Rose Garden. I'm so excited to explore your journey because I remember as freshmen what it was like to have uh, algebra together, English together, no teacher (laughs) and all the memories that we made and to see each other on social media for dang near 20 years. Not really because Facebook came out in what, 04-ish?
1: 5, 6, 06, so... Yeah, so it's been about, let's call it about 14, 15 years.
0: The college years. Correct. So we knew each other all high school. Yeah. You went away for college. Indeed. So I went Way to by right in um, Illinois. You left the state. Were you the first to go to college?
1: No, no. So I'm second. Uh, I was extremely privileged. Um, second generation college. My Both my parents have master's degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, both are retired public school teachers. My mm. father's a retired um, uh, principal okay so education was the family business that really wasn't where my heart was at I fell in love with hospitality one of my older brothers worked in the hospitality industry his brother got him into it and he always said you know if you want to do this do it right go and get your college degree and so forth and so on and um, I looked at all the top hotel programs and University of Nevada Las Vegas was right up there and I went to go tour the other campuses. I went to go visit Purdue. Didn't really suit me. It was too mm-hmm. close to home. Mm-hmm. Went to go visit uh, Michigan State. It was going to be cold. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget my mother asked me. She was like, are you going to go to class when it's cold outside? And I said, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> no. You
0: got to know your kids and you got to know yourself.
1: Indeed. Indeed. So <laughs> I went to University of Nevada, Las Vegas to visit and saw Palm Trees. And it was a wrap. And casinos.
0: Palm Trees, casinos, Vegas, college. In high school, did you ever imagine that you were going to want to go into hospitality, that you were going to want to be involved with hotels? What does it mean mm-hmm. to be the bow tie broker?
1: Um, I knew that I wanted to do that probably about sixth grade. Probably, maybe even a little bit earlier than
0: sixth that. Sixth grade was a very pivotal year for you.
1: <laughs> it was. Sixth grade was it pivotal. Was.
0: That is when you became
1: you. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. What
0: else happened in sixth grade?
1: Um, I mean, I decided to make some health conscious changes, right? You know, a doctor basically told me I was fat, um, and then everything comes full circle because I now am a full circle. I'm very spherical, <laughs> I'm fat again. So, um, <laughs> but at that point, I had it together and I lost weight. Um, but, but yeah, it was so it was a very pivotal time, and it was came from somebody uh, posing a question to me. My older brother, my other older brother, went to Cornell. And my mother said, you know, they have a top hotel program. You like to, you know, eat and travel. You ever thought about hospitality management?
0: Man, that's a... For real.
1: Yeah, so... For real. As a kid, you know, you hear that and it's just like, oh, bet. Like, you can make a lifestyle out of that? Cool. Let me look into this a little bit more. And um, I just started running with it and and started doing the research.
0: So what you graduated from high school you knew that you were interested in hospitality you saw the college that you really wanted to go to what about your friends though like did you have anybody else that was going to vegas did you have friends in high school that were all going to the same school you didn't want to go with your friends how did you know to get the courage to go all the way to vegas by yourself for hospitality
1: there was that was definitely a concern right and it took a lot of faith from my parents, you know, from my people, because people ask my mother to this day, like, you let Mm -hmm. your son go to school in Las Vegas? And she's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, she trusted me. Although I grew up in a very strict household, she trusted me. But looking at kind of my circle, my friends had different plans than I did. They had different goals. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be close to my friends. Like my best friend went to Hampton. And I mean, I applied there and it was just the program that they tried to put me in. It would have been stretching it. They, They were like, okay, well, you can do business. Well, I look at the the curriculum breakdown. It's a lot of mathematics. Eh, not about that life. So I'm gonna go (laughs) ahead and swerve over here to the hospitality program where it's all. So I got. I found out very early that I have a learning disability. I'm what's called Mm. a kinesthetic learner. Oh, tell me more. So I'm hands-on. So you can't. That's a
0: disability.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you can get paperwork for it, too, sometimes. Okay. You can get extra time on test the whole night. <laughs> okay. So, um, so, yeah, so my mom had me tested outside the system. They said, because uh, she didn't want that. She never wanted me to become branded. She was a teacher, so she knew how to, how yeah. to work the system. Yeah. So we kind of kept that in the back pocket. We never really needed to pull it out. Um, but it was, that was the ultimate thing. Super high in other certain areas of intelligence, Mm -hmm. but in other places it was, I need, I need to be hands on. Mm -hmm. So I remember part of the exam was I did really good with the test where you had to count money Mm because I could put my my hand on it. Mm -hmm. Right. If Mm -hmm. you start asking me to do mathematics in my head. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna lose it. That's just not me. So I realized that about myself when I chose a career specific to that yes. and a degree specific to that. I did not want to be stressed out in college. I do not want to be stressed out trying to get through something that's going to help me earn. Because um, you see a lot of people, they talk about, you know, they enjoy their collegiate experience. You know, a lot of my, my buddies who did engineering. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, no, that sounded awful, right? So that, that wasn't really me.
0: I love that so much. I love that your parents Of course were active as parents, but they also were active as advocates on your behalf Um, And they made sure that you had everything that you need including the tools and resources to express What you needed so that you could learn the way that you could learn because I never broke that down Like even differentiated math counting money versus doing something in my head. It's both math I'll be like yeah math. I'm not interested. So I wouldn't even explore a math based career where I could count money and actually it would make sense for me. I just would have counted it all out. Yeah. So I love that your mom helped you see that there was a way to get into the career in a way that you felt comfortable.
1: Yeah, it, it was necessary. And that was, you know, don't being reared by an educator yeah. right? where it was a sister who was able to be very forward thinking and realize that my issue with mathematics was, and it was it was in turn. it wasn't because it was a lack of capability yes. it was because i had a lack of proficiency in instructors as we were just talking as about we and joking about. about but it has long lasting effects where you have kids that grow up and say oh i'm not good at math and it's just like you come from people that invented math so how do you how are you that's it's not that's not a thing like, let's, let's really get to the root of, or some people say the root, yeah. uh, of, of the issue. And if you get to the root of the issue, it came from some prior instruction. You got some level of frustration. Mm-hmm. And then you said, hey, I'm not about this. Mm-hmm. And you go a whole nother route. You
0: go a whole nother route. Speaking of going a whole nother route, in high school where many of us, well, people were doing a lot of different things. One thing that I knew that you were doing was establishing yourself as an entrepreneur. Yeah. You used to sell music and sell CDs in school Absolutely, that was like was that the beginning of Your career path.
1: Um, it was very early very early. I mean because I enjoyed money, right? Mm-hmm. I, I am I'm a product of, of rap music of hip-hop music um, And that was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Right? It was like you wanted to have money and I saw Well, visually, listening to the music and and the videos and stuff. And it was just like, well, currency is extremely important. On top of that, I didn't have fly gear, right? And single parent household, my mother's a teacher. She wasn't really balling like that. Um, We had everything that we wanted and a lot of what we needed. But like fly clothes were just not in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So if I wanted anything on my own, I felt that I needed to go out and get it. In the most responsible fashion, right? So looking at, you know, trafficking drugs in any shape or form, (laughs) the the ROI just wasn't there for me. It's not there. I mean, I I was literally like in probably eighth grade high school looking at people and I thought about it. And it was just like, hey, none of these folks are retired. What's the exit strategy? Yeah. Like I was literally having those conversations with myself. It was just like, oh, so I either have to have a mixtape. At some point in time to get out of this or like I just didn't see the exit and, and the risk was way too high for, for the reward. So, um, you know, but but I enjoyed engaging people. And and for me, it's always been, you know, able to find some way to hustle to get mm-hmm. to it. Because at the end of the day, if you can hustle, you, you can eat, you can uh, you
0: can hustle, you can eat. So how did all of those skills get you to where you are today with hotel management?
1: So um so you asked uh, kind of, you know, how did I become the bow tie broker? And it's yeah. because I was, you know, I always knew I wanted to do hospitality management. Eventually, I wanted to go on a hotel ownership. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I got to get to a point where I understand that on a deeper level. So just really started devouring anything I get my hands on industry related, specifically when I got to college, like freshman year. As soon as I figured out that they were free periodicals, I read it daily. Like mm-hmm. I'm a complete hospitality nerd, you know. So there's some people... They're all over, you know, sports. I can't mm-hmm. talk to you about sports. I don't know <laughs> anything about it. I don't know those playoffs. <laughs> like <laughs> tonight,
0: I said, "There's a playoff game. Are you watching?" He's like, "Absolutely not."
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so yeah. I'm I'm not in the sports. I never got into that. Like I'm not in the cars. Like I'm in the hospitality, um, and that's something I find very fascinating, and very interesting. So all throughout college, like I worked in the industry. Um, I mean, everything from starting out scrubbing drains in the, in the, the, the restaurant on campus, uh, which eventually led to me being front desk agent at the Bellagio, VIP services at the Rio, uh, opening teen as an, as an intern for the win, opened the third tower at the signature, and then got into hotel management um, with a luxury hotel brand actually here downtown Chicago. And then you start having the reality check, right, mm-hmm. post-college, post You kind of get in, you understand truly how conservative the industry is, and you have to ask yourself, Do I want to be a GM or not? I was going to retire a regional vice president because, again, somebody talked me out of ownership at a young age, Mm -hmm. and they saw it's a lot of risk there, right? And a lot of times we get. Conveyed information from people trying to protect us. Yes. Right. And, and Jay-Z had a, a really interesting article talking about that how people kind of project things upon you. Yes. Because they think they're trying to protect you. And ultimately you have to learn how to decipher. And it's really pe- It's people that are close to you too. Yeah. And then somebody brought to me it was like an advisor. It's like, oh, you know, a lot of risk in that. Do hotel management. So my my strategy, so I was going to be regional vice president, maybe CDO, chief diver, chief diversity officer. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of looked at it and I said, well, there's not a lot of people that look like me to make it to this level, right? The people that stay in hotels are every shape, size, color, right, gender, and then entry-level management. And then it just filters up no matter how long it's been to to not looking like that. Mm-hmm. So you had to say, okay, I have to, you know. I have to make an exit. I have to make a change. So I, but I, I always knew that I was gonna exit operations at some point in time, but working operations for a good amount of time with a few national chains, uh, got fired, uh, got laid off, uh, been promoted. Mm-hmm. So I know all three of those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, vow to never uh, put myself in that position again as as long as I could. Uh, when it switched over to higher ed, uh, which was a great platform for myself working for a university, really helped helping build their brand and also leveraging that to build my brand. Mm-hmm. The whole time I was in that university job, I remember, you know, if, if you've had the opportunity and the privilege to go to college, you have professors that ramble.
0: Yeah. But a lot of,
1: and it's not, usually not about the subject. It's just game. Yep. <laughs> and some people are like, okay, that's an old lame cat. But sometimes they're just dropping some straight jewels here and there. And I'll never forget, I was sitting in class, and this uh, one law professor, he's like, yeah, one of my buddies, you know, he's a hotel broker. He's in town selling the Aladdin. And he's like, man, I'm thinking you get 6% on selling a house, and this, and this casino's listed at $100 million. If he gets 6% on that, that's a $6 million commission check. And my mind was like, hold up. <laughs> hold up. He said a seven-figure check off of one deal executed? Mind blown! You can't yeah. talk to me about anything else, and I just started chasing hotel brokerage after that. Mm-hmm. I need I, I I spent every day from that moment on gearing myself up for, for those interviews and and to be in those circles. Mm-hmm. I was researching the resumes of people who currently did it, who had done it, mm-hmm. the people who had failed, I was talking to anybody who would talk to me. So mm-hmm. I used that university job to build up my profile, to get in these very expensive conferences that are 2,000, 2,500, 3,000 just to attend mm-hmm. and get yourself in those rooms. So eventually, I could go and pitch myself as a broker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that. I leveraged a few different relationships that I had made through investing in myself over the years. And you know, five years later, you know, over 100 transactions, you know, I'm still, I'm still with it. So it's been a really good ride learning a lot.
0: I love that every, you have built on every experience that you had. It's not like anything was wasted. Like every skill set and every, every exposure to people and experiences has brought you to this point. You said you got fired, quit, laid off, promoted. What less? what was your hardest lesson? Like in Mm. real life? How it hits you professionally but also how it hits you in real life because it's hard being fired Mm -hmm. especially when you were grown up and you have bills yeah so like what were some of the really hard lessons you learned in this industry that probably a lot of your peers or family members don't know about that they can't necessarily talk to you about or help you brainstorm about how did it feel when you were learning some of those really hard lessons
1: I mean The biggest one, the first one was when I got laid off. That was because of the economy. a. Yeah, or so they were able to spin it in that fashion. Mm -hmm. I knew what it really was. At the end of the day, you can figure out a way to keep people that you want. Yeah. The second time, that was an outright termination, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it is is what it is. Touching on the feelings, um, and it comes into the pride and your masculinity, that's emasculating. Right. Mm-hmm. No matter how you want to define a man's job, it usually falls into two categories, and that's protect and provide. Yeah. Almost every so, if you're 50% ineffective, you are failing. Um, it, it was extremely difficult, especially because I got fired after I'd already been laid off before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I promised myself I'll never be in this position before again. I mean, I'm extremely frustrated. This is terrible. Why did I allow this to happen? And and by this time you know, when I got, um, when I got fired, you know, I had a mortgage, mm-hmm. right. You know, I had a partner, at the, I had a partner with me and it was like, you know, she was in school, mm-hmm. so she wasn't earning at, at her, at her highest potential. So now I'm, I'm on unemployment. Right. And, and, you know, my grind just went into overtime and, and it's not, and I was in a city where I didn't have as many connections as I did in Chicago, where it was like, all right, well, all right, come on over here and you can get some hours. I was like, no, I have to get out there and get it. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that I can tell people is continue to invest in yourself and learn the difference. Number one is invest in yourself. Mm-hmm. And number two is learn the difference between network and a relationship building.
0: Oh, I need I need to tell me more. Number one, invest in yourself.
1: Invest in yourself. So before I got the university job where I actually had a budget and they paid me to travel, all that type of stuff, I spent about $7,000 a year out of my own pocket traveling to conference. I didn't go to vacations. I still haven't been to Cancun to this day. Mm-hmm. Like, no spring breaks for me. it was The all about hospitality man mm-hmm. does not. I wasn't on vacation. Go on vacation. On nah, vacation. nah you go to it.
0: hotels to work and to yeah. do research. Yeah, I oh, go. God.
1: Yes, and so I, I love hospitality conferences. Why? Because yeah. you get to meet people in a very relaxed environment. You get to learn about some really cool stuff, some up and coming, like whether it's a new technology and you get to retool your thinking and see what else there is out there. It's not Mm -hmm. just working in a hotel, which is what our students are learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, for instance, I also teach at, at the collegiate level. One of my students, you know, he's going through something and I told him about a company that he didn't even know existed in hospitality. He applies there, he gets the job. It's something like, 55% more than what he's making now. Mm -hmm. He's like, Professor Head, I didn't even know that this was a thing. Yeah, it is. Go eat. Like, he's like, how did you know about this? I read the industry news. I invest in myself. I go to the conferences. I heard about them, like, through reading press releases. I was at industry conference earlier this year. They, They put on a happy hour. I talked to them. I mean, it seems like an interesting platform. Now, Those years when I was spending that money out of my pocket, I was going there to build relationships with people because you need Mm FaceTime, right? And you need to have people see you multiple times. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where folks are like, man, what are you doing now? Right? You know, because what happens is we grab a business card, we add you on LinkedIn, we get to 500 plus contacts, and we forget about it. So it's transactional. And then what happens is when you need the plug, you feel awkward hitting them, Cause you're like, I don't really know them. They don't really know me. I don't talk to them, mm-hmm. you know? So, so you want to make sure that, that you keep those relationships going and that you have those, that rapport so that when you need something, you don't feel awkward about hitting them up and saying, Hey, can you know, I just send, here's, here's my reference number for this job. You know, I applied. Can you look out?
0: I love that. Cause that's so real managing that relationship so that it does not become transactional. It was the second point to that. You said like knowing the difference between, did you say relationships and Net- networking?
1: Networking and relationships. So networking is just the, the transactional yes. part of it. So yes. I network with a lot of people. Yes. Um, and it's it gets a little bit more difficult to actually build that relationship, which is there's nothing else going on. Did you did you slide into their LinkedIn DMs? Yeah. Just checking in on you. Oh, ball as well. That easy. Engaging with and people that.
0: as people not just when yeah. you need that. Is, yep. That's Cause you, what
1: you're going to do. You're going to hit them and say, congrats on the new job. Congrats on the anniversary. And they flooded with 18 other people. Yeah. yeah it's kind of whack. It is. <laughs> whack. And that's right? not how
0: you build the relationship and have the FaceTime. Do you feel in hospitality, it's important to keep those old school, like ways of contact, like FaceTime, talking to people, not texting.
1: In every industry it is. In every industry it's, so that's where kind of the zennial generation can win right because we still because we came up in the era of the birth of social media so we still know how to navigate without it yes so we still have decent eye contact yes right yes we we do (laughs) right and handshakes (laughs) yes yes we do you know the kids uh, i don't want to say kids but you know there's a lot of the younger folks that that's kind of a lost thing right it's just It's just like, you know, memorizing phone numbers. Like we probably still have some phone numbers committed to memory. We do. Right. It may not be a ton or as much as like the old heads, you know, the, the, the generation X or the boomers or the traditionalists, but you start looking at us, we still have a little bit of that because we lived through that, through that, through that transition. So, um, face to face is key. I mean, I, I used to, and still to this day now, especially my business, Mm -hmm. if I'm trying to earn a listing from somebody saying. Please allow me to sell your hotel. Mm-hmm. This is a multi-million-dollar operation. Mm-hmm. Like you know, you want to know who you're who you're giving that to, um, and, and and you need you need to be able to have the performance track record, and you have to be able to build a rapport with people. It's very rarely that somebody's like, you know what, I want to give mm-hmm. you this opportunity to earn you know a lot of money.
0: And it's really just you being you. It's not you doing anything other than engaging with somebody as your true, genuine self, and managing the relationship and getting to know them one on one.
1: I think th- I think it is more than that, though, because me, sometimes me. you, the you who is really you, you could be a butthead like um, you cannot be a good person
0: <laughs> you're correct being the appropriate there user. you go yes. Yes, yes 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 making
1: sure that you're for palatable. that
0: relationship and exactly. for that goal
1: so and yes. you may know something else that's key too for that relationship yes. because you may have to pivot into something else that's more attractive for another relationship in order to while still not moving drastically far away from from your from your core beliefs right mm-hmm. like you know I, it's just certain things i'm not going to move towards mm-hmm. but you know hey if if this shows you that i'm on board and that we do have something that we identify with i'm i am inclined to do that
0: right? so what are some of your like successes what are what's something you told us about a hard lesson that you had to learn what was like one of your biggest wins that you are like amazed by oh wow um We can talk all day about stuff that we are I not know. happy with. Or when you ask somebody like, "Tell me yeah. about a time that you won," we get yeah. silent.
1: Um, wow, wow. It's 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 a few things. I mean, I think it's been more so on the personal side.
0: That's perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah. So for me, it um it would probably be entering into a union.
0: Tell me more about right? this union.
1: So when. I decided that I wanted to partner, and I was quote unquote at a young age, as some people would define it. By that was a big deal, mm-hmm. right? Because um, some people looked at me like, "Man, you're kinda young, you kind of young."
0: How old were you? Sure,
1: twenty-five.
0: So you were twenty-five when you got married?
1: Well, I think it was when I got married, or was it when I was, I think got married? I think got married.
0: How old were you when you met your wife? <sighs>
1: 15 16
0: Oh, did you meet your wife in high school? I
1: absolutely did. She was my lab partner.
0: She was your lab partner, Mr. Slick? Yeah.
1: Oh, Oh, God. Yeah. Uh,
0: She was your lab, and y'all been making chemistry ever since.
1: Indeed. Except for I, I I called a F that second semester. Uh. We all did. (laughs) She smoothed it out with a D. (laughs) <laughs> moved it out with a d uh, but I ended up in summer school real fresh um <laughs> but um but yeah you know it was it was a good energy there it was a good rapport um that was somebody I was looking at as you know I didn't want to date anybody that I didn't see myself being long-term married to
0: and you were 15 when yeah. you were thinking like this yeah
1: because people I've seen people get stuck yeah right you meet somebody when you're 14 13. And you either going to grow together or you're going to grow apart. Sometimes people just grow apart and they stay together because it's extremely comfortable. Yes. I get it. I'm not knocking it. I just didn't want to be in that box. Yeah. And so I identify with her a lot. She had some of the key things that I was looking for in a partner. Like, primarily, her parents were still together. Like, that was a big thing for me, although my parents were not. Mm -hmm. But I just, I I needed her to have, like, any woman I was interested in, have a solid relationship with her father. Mm -hmm. Like, that was, like... A-1 for me. And mm-hmm. I you know, her dad had a great rapport. He was in the life, heavily involved. He had three girls. You know, everybody was, and I was like, okay, this is what I wanted, right? Because I wanted somebody who knew what a functional relationship looked like. I had not been exposed to it because my parents divorced, like, extremely early. Mm-hmm. My dad was still around. He lived, like, two miles away. So I mm-hmm. saw him all the time. It wasn't, as a matter of fact, I didn't even know my parents were divorced until I was, like, 12, mm-hmm. 10, like, or something. I was, like, I was like <laughs> significantly older, but I saw him that much. I just thought my mommy and daddy didn't live together. Yeah. But I knew what I wanted out of a partner long term. Um, fast forward, you know, when we first got together, even at the end of sophomore year, I'm like, look, somehow if this does last the senior year. Like, we can't stay together for college.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: she was like, all right, cool. We got the senior year. She was like, well, no, nah, let's try to make it work. And I'm like, nah, you over here trying to revise the contract. Like, <laughs> we can't do that because, you know, our, we got to go out there and see what else is up like let's let's just stop now and we look back and say why did we quit versus being like why didn't we Mm -hmm. like I don't want either one of us to hurt each other so her mother worked for the airlines so she was out there people to this day still think she went to UNLV Mm -hmm. um you know was always my best friend through everything and just partnered very well with my life Mm -hmm. um and was always my calm Mm -hmm. so that that just made everything, everything worth it. So upon graduation, we both ended up getting placed in Chicago mm-hmm. and we moved in together.
0: So she she went to school where? University
1: of Rochester.
0: So you guys were on opposite yeah. ends. Yeah, so she
1: went the farthest east out of our class and I went the farthest west.
0: And you still together. We're
1: still together. As Absolutely. a black
0: man, during this career journey... Going as far west, being one of the only were there lots of black men in hospitality when you were there?
1: Nah, not a lot. Not a lot. It was it was a finite number.
0: How did you keep like how did you keep your sanity on this journey? Like your partner, your friend was across the country, you were across the country by yourself, going into this new field, you had big dreams that were very tangible, but you hadn't seen them yet. How how did you keep it going? How did you stay I'm committed to your goal?
1: I'm, I'm Bill Ford. I'm, I am I just woke up every morning, motivated myself, listened to a lot of rap music. I love my rap playlist. <laughs> I'm super. I Everything that you saw about me in high school from the dude who was the hustler with the CDs, uh, selling condoms, whatever. Like, that was. I requested the condoms. <laughs> it was me. <laughs> That I like I fast forward. Sales? You know, I, it made sense, right? If yeah. it was an opportunity to make money, I had to figure it out. Yeah. Right. So limited resources, and I don't, I didn't want to make a lot of excuses, right? I always knew that I was going to be great.
0: Come on, black right? man, speak so, this to every black me. man out here. You always knew.
1: I always knew it, right? And that was a part of the reason why I wanted to partner and partner early, mm-hmm. right? One of the things that, you know, I think, when did Rough Riders come out? Maybe 97, 99. Yeah. Ride or die chick. Like, yeah. that's the thing. People still say that in music. I want to ride or die. It was just like, well, okay, well, let's really analyze what does that mean. Like, mm-hmm. and that's all these themes in the hip hop music or music in general of, you want to make sure that somebody's with you genuinely, mm-hmm. right? And guys are always looking at women like, I don't know, you know, you know she met me at this point in life, but was she liked me five years ago? she liked me in high school you know i was a lame or i was chubby or whatever you know i don't know if she would have liked me for all the right reasons Mm. and so you kind of get into this awkward space of distrust and i don't think a lot of men like we we really talk about that that you don't really trust a lot of women to come around if you've amassed a certain level of success and or material things Mm. so you start looking at people either that knew you before you had that stuff or people who have the same thing which is why people rich people marry other rich people like celebrities are with Um, I knew that I wanted a partner that I could grow with, mm-hmm. right? And that could help me on this journey, and I could help them. And I needed somebody, and that's why I always said that that's my partner, because I needed, I didn't want a wife. I wanted a partner. Like, yeah. I don't need a trophy. I don't need any of that. I need somebody who's who's trying to go out here and slay dragons. Like, let's get this armor on. Like, we got big dreams, you know, and kind of the model that we have is, I want what I want. Right. I want I want what I want. Right. So 2019, our motto is like, you know, um, uh, what do we say? Uh, but we're fo- but 2019. We're pretty much focused on like, you know, fitness and finances. Mm-hmm. It's just like, how do we increase our fitness levels and how do we continue to grow our finances responsibly, um, you know, and manage everything that we have?
0: How do you, what is your ultimate goal? Like all of this and you building your legacy, you mentioned that the ancestors told you that your legacy would be left in the hands of women. Absolutely. So all of this, all mm-hmm. of your journey, everything that you were building and creating is for your children. What mm-hmm. is? What are the lessons or what would you want to say is your legacy at the end of it all?
1: Um, I would probably say that it's really to, go after what you want. You know, um this one rapper Dom Kennedy said he's I became who I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm I had the beautiful opportunity to have two little girls with my partner. The world is not kind to women, it's not kind to people of color, specifically women of color. Mm-hmm. So if I allow them to walk into the same booby traps and the same obstacles that their mother and their grandmother and that I had to go through, and I can't even identify I can't even identify what it might what it has to do with, compounded with being gender. I feel like that I would I would be a fit, there. Mm-hmm. right? Like I got to set up something so that if you want to go a different route, that you can do that, mm-hmm. right? That you have an opportunity to, uh, you know, here's the keys to the kingdom. Everybody say, oh, you know, daughter, you're you treat your daughter like a princess. Well, where's her kingdom?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, what is she going to rule over? What's she gonna have command over? What's what is allowed to be there? Because that's ultimately your legacy, right? My I'm hot like Dame Dash said, I'm out here hustling for my last name. So if if I want to see that grow and, and move the family and, and advance it forward, that has to be a part of it, right? You you have to look at look at legacy building that comes from family planning. Who do you partner with? Mm-hmm. Who are you laying down with? Who are you ultimately saying I want to reproduce with? Mm-hmm. Right. That's, these are all crucial questions that are easy, but you know when you really kind of reflect upon it, it's like ah, that's a lot to think about. Um, it's some heavy stuff, and I was very blessed to find that at an early age, and I knew that that's what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be in my late twenties. I didn't want to be in my thirties, like because I knew that I was going to have an issue because I was going to be who I wanted to be, mm-hmm. right? And I was always going to have reflections back to sixth grade, being a fat kid crying in soup. Because somebody told me I was fat, like the diet, right? So I didn't want to have that that complexity. So, you know, going this going this route, it just made it made a lot more sense. And when you start looking at legacy planning, like that's ultimately what we leave behind. It's like what's what's going to be your contribution. Mm-hmm. So, generationally speaking, we started looking at zennials and Millennials. We're all about the triple bottom line, like people, planet, profit. Like, how can mm-hmm. we help those three three things? You know, you want to be respectful to the planet. Try to help improve it. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to try to help people. You wanna to try to be less harmful. You wanna also make money while you're doing it. Right. So how do you try to navigate those spaces within your relationship? Is how I had to open up because some I can't do people planet profit all by myself. Mm-hmm. Right? Just because my job or my personality may not lend me to that. You know, but maybe I have a partner or maybe my child will, and within our family unit, we can come up with a way to
0: contribute to that triple bottom line. Ooh. Professor Hare, you dropped some real knowledge today. <laughs> this people planet profit thing is new to me, but legacy building And doing it through economic empowerment and entrepreneurship is so powerful and it's so tangible. And it has been an incredible blessing for me to witness my friend who was selling CDs and how you have grown and all the things that you have planned for your children and family and for yourself in the future. So thank you for allowing me to see it via Facebook. Where can we follow you or learn more about you? Last time I saw you, you were here in Chicago with your partner facilitating a workshop on hotel ownership correct um where can we learn more or where can people follow you to learn more about the industry
1: sure um so on twitter um i'm at at head hotelier h-o-t-e-l-i-e-r and i'm on instagram as hip-hop hotel broker i am working on producing a second part to the uh, workshop is going to be a full day seminar. We're working on doing it, uh, somewhere in the South Southeast more than likely, okay. um, on hotel ownership. Uh, what we like to focus on is opening up newcomers into that arena as a that it's a thing B, that it's possible in the economic, uh, impacts of it. Right? So if you scroll through social media or any other, Medium. Um, everybody talks about flipping houses or you know wealth through real estate, and it's kind of like it's a lot of people doing it, and it's, it's people kind of talk a little bit fast, and it's just like, well, how does this all work? We get, use other people's money, and da da da. It's like, well, let's break it down. Uh-huh. The biggest thing that for me, as far as nation building, as far as legacy building, is we have to control jobs. Yeah, you have to create jobs. All we can sit together here and develop an app and sell it for a million dollars. Our families are great, right? But how many jobs that we create? Not that many. Mm-hmm. Like us an app developer. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have as long lasting an impact. So we have to focus on things that generate wealth, create wealth, and have have the opportunity to create jobs. Mm-hmm. And when you control jobs you create you create a different narrative. You're controlling a tax base. Right. So that's the reason why I think it's so important, because there's the capital in the community. Mm-hmm. It's just the intellectual capital is not there just yet. Just folks don't even know this an opportunity. Yep. So, you know, it's simple as, you know, 10 people sitting around, they figure out how to raise $100,000 each. You have a million dollars, you can go out and tackle a $5 million hotel. Mm-hmm. And now you're in control of something that produces significant revenues. You know, you can talk about employing people like those type of things that have very long-lasting benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're working on a workshop that kind of dives more deeper into the underwriting of the assets, um, the financing of the assets, identifying good deals versus bad deals and opportunities that other people might not see. Uh, So we'll be announcing more details on that coming up soon.
0: Well, I can't wait to hear more about it and learn more about it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Thank you for joining me on my podcast um, in the Rose Garden and sharing your experiences
1: with me. Oh, thank family in the Rose Garden. Of course. in hospitality. Of course. And salute to you. I'm proud of what you're doing. Oh,
0: thank um, you.
1: It's it's important to see people controlling narratives, sharing narratives, and pushing important messages. Yes. So thank you so much for doing that, you know, and doing that with your time and your resources. It's it's definitely an important service, so I want you to make sure that you're recognized for that too.
0: Thank you, Professor Head. Brother Omari, my homie from the 99. Nine. right, this is Danny G, and the G is for gone. Thank you again for joining. Say any last words as you Peace. enjoy your cocktail. Peace. Peace. The G is for gone. Bye.